Hey, Sox fans. Welcome to Good Guys Talk Back, a local fan-centric Chicago White Sox podcast. Hosted by Nick Morowski and Pat Hester. Hey, Sox fans. Welcome back to Good Guys Talk Back. This is episode 244. Hey, I'm Nick Morowski. This is a fan-centric Chicago White Sox podcast. We doing it live here on Monday night on our YouTube channel. We accommodated because of the uh, Bears game. Boy, I'm so oh, glad good thing we got out of the way. So glad we switched things up for the Bears game on Sunday night. Uh, you can subscribe, find this uh, YouTube channel, and pass it along. Where the audio is available everywhere, but you already know that. Uh, with me, as always, my. A uh, very uh, good friend. Some might say my best friend, a lifelong Sox fan, Pat Hester. Hello, say. Sir. The yeah. most important thing is what do you say? Oh, I say Some that's true. Say. I, oh, okay. I would I would confirm that. Um, an awkward way to start the show. Yeah. Well, it's uh, it's spooky season. It's mm-hmm. uh, it's the, the season of the witch, uh, which a woman, um, you know, and if you were watching anything, even if you watched a couple games of the Chicago White Sox in 2023, uh, it was a nightmare. Uh, it was a, mm. it lived up to the scary stuff. We're going to talk, you know, scary stats, stuff that really spooked us and probably did you as well watching our Chicago White Sox as uh, now the World Series is going on. Uh, we're going to talk a little World Series and if the White Sox can you know, follow this script of the Texas Rangers and Arizona Diamondbacks have put together. Uh, Maybe we'll celebrate, commiserate, we'll honor. I I don't know how to phrase it. The anniversary of the uh, TLR hiring, it probably goes in the, uh, the scary column. And uh, we're going to talk new bullpen coach, new bullpen pitching coach, Matt Wise. I've got some Intel uh, uh, on that uh, gentleman. So Pat, you, you're watching the World Series. It's going on right now as we record. Uh, a lot of folks not happy that it's, you know, the big teams, the big markets. You know, I don't mind it at all. Uh, good baseball. You know, you got some you got some stars. Arizona caught fire towards the end of the year. We saw that. They, they played the Sox. And Texas, uh, you know, did what they did in the offseason and, Look at where they're at. Uh, and boy, you know, talk about some guys, as it always is the case, I feel, in the postseason. There are players that step up and they're mm-hmm. Mr. October or whatever. And, you know, Garcia is kind of like that for the Rangers. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I, I've, I've enjoyed it so far. Game one was outstanding. Yeah, so far, so good. I, and, and there's the going back to the, well, there's uh, it's Arizona and Texas, and especially on the Arizona side, it's not so much Texas. I mean, the, the Rangers have been a great team all year. The stats back it up, a lot of uh, things in their favor. And it's a big market. That's You're, you're talking Dallas, or this is that's not a market to, to sniff at. Um, but, oh, well, this is what happens when you expand playoffs. You get more flukiness into it. It's like, you know what? I, I got no time for that. If you're a good team, Beat who you're supposed to beat in in the playoffs. I, I really find it a hollow argument when people say, well, the Diamondbacks shouldn't be there. They got there on a fluke, and it's not representative of what the marathon of 162 games is. That's a bunch of BS, in my opinion. I, I would feel like, hey, if you played as well as you did, like the Orioles out there, Houston's of the world that have been knocked out and, and not here anymore, uh, playing the Braves, you know, Atlanta, team yeah. all, all season. Yeah. And went home early. You know, I say suck it up. 
right? If you're supposed to be the best team, you should take care of business no matter who's on your schedule and who you're playing in the playoffs. I think the expansion of the playoffs, yes, has it allowed weaker teams in? Does it give more opportunity? Yes, but that's what all leagues do, Nick. All leagues have done this, and those are the leagues that are thriving. And again, I've mentioned it a lot. If Major League Baseball wants to continue to grow its its league, right, and and and, and make itself uh, more palatable to younger audiences, you've got to go to the way of the trend of the leagues that are being successful. So expanding playoffs is just something you're going to have to get over. And if you're going to be a good team and you want to win the World Series, then you're going to have to beat some of these teams that are weaker teams that get in and have momentum. So I'm excited about it. I, I haven't watched a, a lot outside of the first game, just been busy with life and kids and things like that. But um, I see Texas is up three, nothing right now. I'm excited about it. My kids are excited about it. It's a world series. Just watch. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I agree with what you're saying. And I think the flukiness gives, you know, I, you know, right now Sox fans are talking, well, wait, wait a second, you know, with what happened to the Rangers and where they were at a couple of years ago or the Diamondbacks, could that happen to us, you know, here in the next year or two? And, you know, I get these emails from Scott Merck and they're not personal. <laughs> you're, you're getting personal emails. From, wow. Look at you. <laughs> they're not personal. Uh, you know, it's like I subscribe to his newsletter and he blasts out this newsletter it later becomes, I think, you know, uh, an article on whitesocks.com. But, you know, he had said American League champion Rangers are two years removed from the 102 losses in one year past the 68 and 94 showing uh, while the National League champion Diamondbacks dropped 110 as recently as 2021 and finished with a 74 and 88 record in 2022. So he had an opportunity to interview, uh, you know, the new assistant general manager, Josh Barfield. So Merkin says, you know, could the White Sox travel the same path coming off a, a 61 and 101 showing? Uh, Barfield was with Arizona for nine seasons. Okay. So he's kind of, you know, I think he's had his hands in a lot of this at uh, what we're seeing right now out of the Diamondbacks. And of course, Barfield says uh, anything is possible. Here's his quote uh, We have a bunch of talent already on this Sox roster. Uh, if we do things right, if things work out, there is a scenario. Uh, where we can add and look to continue to build to grow toward the future, but also in the short term, be in the mix as well. So that's clear as mud, uh, in my opinion. Um, I don't think he, I don't think he chose one. It's very much the John C. Riley, mm -hmm. uh, you know, Jeff. Um, I, I don't think he chose a path there to answer that question. Um, it sounded like, well. Uh, you know, we might, it was a very Han-esque answer. Talk about, you know, Han. Somebody left him the script on the desk. So yeah, we let, Rick left these behind, thought maybe you could use the playbook. Yeah. There it is. Go uh, for break it. in case of emergency. And here, yeah. you know, th just a month and a half on the job. Uh, he's going through some of that stuff. So anything's possible. In your mind, Pat, do you see the Sox being able to, uh, follow something like what the Rangers have done? Well, I, before I answer that, I'd like to just go back to the the, the quote. Sure. It's interesting yeah. because it's it makes it sound like if the ifs and if if things if there's a scenario and there's a there's a way, 
does that mean that they have to start out and they're not going to plan on doing anything in the off season. They're going to go with it as is. And if they play well, then they'll, then they'll be aggressive and, and try and get players in, in at the trade deadline. It sounded very strange, you know, like what is going to play out scenario wise in the off season. That's going to make you want to add to this, this apparently already talented roster. Well, I so. want to know what, what does it mean by if we do things right? What, what does that exactly mean? Do we really know what that is uh, heading I, into, uh, you know, uh, this off season winter meetings and, and looking at 2024, what is the right thing to do in their minds? Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we heard, obviously it's been made up. We, we talked about it quite a bit on this podcast of, full saying right away, you know, after the trade deadline and, and kind of down the stretch until I think somebody tapped him on the shoulder and said, can you stop all of that? Uh, you know, we're going to be competitive in 2024. We're right back there. The, the the rebuild term has not been used. I mean, give me a break. Say what you want. Uh, this team, I don't believe is going to be competitive. There is so much that needs to happen. And, and, and you'll get the you'll get the picture when we go through our scary stuff from 2023 but again you already know this folks uh if you've been watching the white Sox, so if you do things right if things work out so what does that mean does that mean health again does that mean guys returning to accustomed levels or to levels uh if it work out is like if you get the people that you want in the off season if trades work out if you're able to flip guys uh I, I, you're, you're right. I mean, you could really break down this quote quite a bit and it leaves me even more confused. Well, it's interesting. You look at, um, you know, cause it, they're, they're mirror images of each other basically because they're owned by the same person in the bulls and the Chicago white Sox. Everybody was so ready to get rid of gar packs and, and the change. And they're ready, you know, for something new and, and, and different. And it's like, okay, these guys are coming in with a different perspective and you have AK and Mark Eversley and Michael Reinsdorf's pretty much running the show. And actually that front office has managed to be worse than the previous one. I I'm curious if that'll be the same case now that the, the much maligned Kenny Williams and Rick Hahn are out for, for new blood, uh, coming in, is it going to be worse or is it going to be, uh, the same it'll be that'll be what's fascinating over the over the winter nick to just see if there is and i think you and i are of the same mind that it's probably not going to be because there's one common denominator and that's the owner remains the same and there's not much we can do about that at this point but to go back to your question i didn't mean to get us down on a tangent you had asked about you know can the socks do uh, similar to to what the rangers have done and quite frankly it's an easy no because I don't see them investing in talent uh, on the free agent market like, like the Texas Rangers have done. You you had mentioned the 100-plus loss season and the 96 loss, I think it was 96 loss season last year, fourth in their division and now uh, in the World Series. But they, uh, not only did they invest in, in the players, in a, a Simeon and a Seeger, they also invested in a proven manager that has World Series rings and skins on the walls. Uh, that's something that we don't currently have. Um, I think you and I believe maybe the same, that if there was someone that was um, maybe came with some actual experience that the game hadn't passed by, as we had in, in Tony La Russa, 
that maybe this team would have at least been average last year, Nick. Would they would have at least competed for this this weak division in the central? There could have been an opportunity there with different leadership where people would have bought in to whatever that message was and maybe taken on a different identity and had some type of culture, which now we're still lacking with this leadership. So uh, I would say that it's a hard no, and, and it starts probably, I'd like to say at the very top, but let's start in the dugout uh, and say, you know, Pedro Gafal is still going to be managing this team. So until that change is made, I just don't know that this team is going to make some type of Herculean leap next year. Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm right there with you. I mean, it's it's fascinating, you know, what the te- Texas Rangers have been able to do. And and sure, the knee jerk reaction is to say anything's possible. You know, look look at what the, look at what's happened to them. You know, here here we are after 101. You know, maybe in a couple of years. Look, that that means Jerry is somehow all of a sudden going to play at the top of free agency. He's going with the best of the best, which has never happened. You know, uh, we know he's out on Shohei Otani for a variety of different reasons. Uh, I don't see him investing well in, in pitching and, and giving the type of contracts that he needs to give to, to get that uh, to get that type of pitching. And then you have holes in a lot of different areas that, you know, not only have they not been able to figure out just adequate uh, you know, adequate ball players for those holes, but above average, well beyond average to be competitive, you know, and, and then you look at pitching and this, that, and the other, but the Grafol thing is, is really, I, I keep hammering away at that. And that is what is so irritating. You know, if Chris Getz was behind the scenes, pushing Grafol, you know, and telling Rick Hahn, I know this guy, this is the guy. Yeah. You should really look into this guy. And, and, their mindset, the the brain trust of the Chicago White Sox last year around this time was saying, we still feel like we're in our window. We still have all the talent we think not only to win this division, but go beyond. Well, then why get a manager who's going to bring in a coaching staff that has never had any actual experience as a big league manager? Yeah, impressive baseball resume. I get it. I get the Royals 2015 situation. And the people he's mentored and all, you know, the folks advocating for him. But if he hasn't done it, you know, to any to any degree, let alone zero, you know, zero success. What are you really saying to the ball players in that clubhouse? Yeah. What do you are, you know, what's the message to them? Is this guy is going to try to figure it out on the fly? That, that That's the respect we have for you as players is we're going to put this guy in and he's different and he's, he's got, he's going to have a different mentality. So we should all embrace that. And of course he said all the right things, but you know, I, I think the manager plays a huge role, you know, mm-hmm. I, I'm, we're still trying to figure out manager managerial war, but you know, someone that has got the, the that can figure this out, in terms of personalities, how do I get these guys to buy into something to, to a certain way? How can I help be the leader? You know, how can I shoulder all of that and, and get a culture going the way I want it to? You know, that, that comes with experience. That comes with yeah. success. That comes with ups and downs. And it, it felt like when he got hired, when he was the chosen one, I had a feeling I knew where this season was going to be kind of going. 
Yeah. And, and there's somebody out there right now. I, I think he's available because there's talk of him going to the Mets as Craig Council. Sure. And that would be someone that you look at it. It's like in his short time in Milwaukee, not short time. He's been there for a while, but in his time in Milwaukee, um, it, you know, it seemed like the Brewers were always able to punch above their weight. They're in a division much like ours, not the strongest of divisions, but you know, for a long time was controlled by the Cubs and, and the Cardinals. And it seemed like the Brewers would always be there. Not, not the biggest spending team in the world, not, you know, more relying on their farm system and, and, and doing the things the right way and the fundamentals and all that. But the Brewers have been a, a I would say just, for, I haven't looked at the numbers, but a fairly successful team over Craig Council's run there. And that would be a guy that I think that look at an ex-player, right. That people know that's young, I think is, would have a good feel for the game. And I think would command at least some respect in the dugout. Uh, so that, that would be someone like if he was available and this, this team really was, and it wouldn't have to necessarily be him, but if you had someone come along that Chris gets or, or anybody else would go, you know, I hate to pull the old, like the poor Ricky Renteria that happened to him, but if we're really truly ready to win, like they say that maybe there is a chance and the things fall in their way, you know, you don't wait around. If good no. guys are available, exactly. if there's, there's winning managers available, stop the press and, and, and go after guys that, that you think can really change the culture quickly because the culture and identity, and it's been such a problem. If you think you have somebody out there that can fix that and fix it right away, that people will gravitate for, gravitate towards, and run through a wall for, then then why would you waste your time? There's not there can't be that much money owed to Pedro Grafal. Like there can't be that much owed to him uh, in terms of where he's probably slated. I mean, in Sachs terms of had, don't seem salary. to have a problem wasting salaries and, and so, you know, some of the dumps that they've made in the last couple of years. Right. So to me, um, if, if this organization, again, was really uh, hell bent on winning and, and Jerry really cared about winning, if there was someone out there, not that he would want, but that his people said this would be a, a great move for us then that's the way it should go. But it seems like they're, they're uh, fixated on, on Pedro. And there also is, I will play a little bit of the other side of the fence, Nick, with a year of experience, there is a possibility that Pedro can learn from his mistakes last year. There is. Sure, absolutely. I, he should, right? Yeah, he should. But I, I think going back to last year, it was like, you really set things back. Yeah. You set things back because Last year was then a learning year for him. And mm -hmm. if you're willing to do that with Pedro Grafol and say, well, he's going to learn and we'll figure it out, then then why are you – it's so hypocritical when, when Reinsdorf's like, well, I'm not going to go outside of the organization and get anybody in for GM that's going to have to learn everybody here in the system and what's going on. It's what you did with Grafol. You allowed that to happen. Yeah. So you clearly don't mind – taking setbacks, you know, if it means that there might be success in the future, I just don't think, you know, it, it could change. Anything's possible, right? That's kind of the theme of this little segment here, but I, I, the fact that he's still around and he is hired and, or he still is the manager of the Chicago White Sox. It, that's what eats at me right what now. The time it, we live in. I mean, it, it's just unbelievable um, that they really that think it, this is the guy. Make you 
angry. Now this is only for people on uh, watching on YouTube. But yeah. I'm, I'm weird. I have yeah. masks today. It is. Can you imagine a banner? Like if there was some, like that was a real thing. Uh, if like banner was watching the socks and how many times that he would just Hulk <laughs> out and get angry during watching, you know, just a random game. There were so many moments, so many yeah. moments, you know, that you can, you can just, you know, flip it, flip your lid. Um, so I, I heard counsel, you know, he might be interviewing a Cleveland, you know, so yeah. there you go. That's yeah. the Cleveland I, way. Another, another manager that will, you know, in Cleveland that will out, out manage us for the foreseeable future. Just that's the way it'll be. Yeah, I so we, we did make some uh, some coaching decisions that the Sacks did this past week. Uh, we've got a new bullpen coach. So we had talked about, you know, that it was leaked a while ago that Kurt Hassler was going to be reassigned or removed or or, or just gone from the uh, organization. And, you know, there are a couple other coaches that have as well uh, that we're going to be looking for for space coach, a hitting coach. Uh, so we needed a bullpen coach, and we went with Matt Wise. Uh, he is the new bullpen coach, if you haven't heard about it. And I didn't know much about Matt Wise uh, as all, at all. Um, just the fact that I didn't know anything about him, you know, didn't get me very excited. But then again, like how many bullpen coaches or pitching coaches out there, you know, are – uh, heralded and in, in, in household names, there's there's a small amount that that are that are leaving or that were let go or that were allowed to you know interview what have you. So I reached out to uh, John Frisch and he does the Locked On uh, Angels podcast. Mm -hmm. uh, he does it, I think, I believe with his brother. They do a fabulous job. And honestly, you know, since doing Locked On for for you know season and a half. There's some dedicated fans out there. You know, you have to be to do it on a daily basis. And when I need a little intel on a coach or a player, you know, I, I reach out and I've, I've made some great connections. And the response that I got from John on Matt Wise, oh, my goodness. I mean, it was there's obviously an opinion on Matt Wise here. And you might say, well, hey, it's just a bullpen coach. Come on. Like, why, why are we overreacting? Um, but why did, why did, why is Hassler let go? You know, and, and on, on the surface, the optics are, oh, a bullpen coach just basically just hangs out in the bullpen and tracks some pitches and, you know, answers a phone, but we know that there's so much more in that. So I'll, I'll give you the response. It's a thorough, it's a meaty response from uh, John Frisch from Lockdown Angels. So th this is what he had to say. Uh, Angel fans are thrilled that Matt Wise is gone. Uh, he was our bullpen. <laughs> That's how he started out his response to me. Uh, he was our bullpen coach in 2020, uh, but then Mickey Calloway got fired, so they promoted Wise to interim pitching coach. Uh, then they just kind of let him stay at pitching coach and never considered hiring someone else. Uh, kind of odd, but he, uh, the starting staff actually had a top 10 ERA in the league in 2022. But then most of the young starters who tore it up in 22, like Reed Detmers and Patrick Sandoval, really regressed in 2023. In fact, there was a moment in 2023 where Matt Wise encouraged Reed Detmers to pitch to contact 
And let me tell you, that was an awful idea. Uh, you look at the metrics and stat cast numbers, and it's easy to see that Detmers is not that kind of pitcher at all. Another note is that there was a time in 22 that Detmers was sent down to the minors to work on things. Uh, this was after his no-hitter, and he began struggling after that. It was another pitching coach in the minors who helped Detmers fix his slider and make it more effective and also immediately identified it, not Matt Wise. Uh, that's been the frustrating thing about Matt Wise. He doesn't seem to be able to identify problems and know how to fix them. Mike Trout standing in the outfield could tell you uh, if one of our relievers was tipping his pitches before Matt Wise could recognize it, a running joke amongst Angel fans is imitating our radio guy and saying, Matt Wise pays a visit to the mound, and now here's the next pitch, and that one is gone. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it, really uh, in-depth, I appreciated the intel and the insight from, from John Frisch from Lockdown Angels. But in, in, in reading that, a lot of that sounded very familiar from Chicago, the Chicago White Sox way is yeah. a guy would go down and all of a sudden they're, they're, they're raking in the minors and somebody saw something or, or, or a pitcher of ours is going outside of the organization to get help from a different pitching coach or, you know, was it Luis Robert Jr. had his own private hitting coach, which is probably not uncommon. It happens, but um, so that, I mean, that's just, that's what I'm getting from Angel fans and, and the newest addition to the coaching staff, Pat. Well, I, when I when I saw it, I mean, it was interesting because again, you're 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 plucking people, and he, he was a he was a bullpen coach, and then he he was a pitching interim pitching coach. So it yeah. wasn't like he was promoted to pitching coach. It was a we needed somebody, we needed a body. In Callaway the was fired, and, and so abruptly, it wasn't like yeah, he's coming to the White Sox. And getting a promotion, right? I want people to come to this organization that had a lower position and we're taking them away because we see their potential in doing something greater, not because he's taking a lateral move. That tells me that this guy isn't going to be worth a shit. So again, you could tell me that a bullpen pitching coach maybe doesn't matter, but I like to think that the every coach has something to contribute to this team. And everybody should be, uh, you would hope everybody is going to be somebody that's going to make a difference. And, and I don't know, I maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this is just crazy or too much. But when I saw it, it's like the Angels have been one of the most disappointing teams in all of baseball. They've got the two best players. Uh, you know, it's not even close, probably, in, in, in all of baseball. If you And you combine them together, and you've got them on the team, they can't even sniff the playoffs. And it's a lot because of their pitching staff has let them down. And we're going to take someone, uh, a coach, that that in some way, shape, or form was in charge of bullpens or, or and for a time being in charge of the staff entirely and say that that's going to be a good fit to help us this year. Nick, I, I know you're not a big fan, but – this is <laughs> this is the way. This is the White Sox way. We okay. take people from bad organizations and bring them on because that's what we do. Royals, bring it on. I yeah. can't wait till we start plucking things from the Oakland A's. Well, uh, I tried to find a Royals connection with Matt Wise. I couldn't find it. Um, you know, it was just it's just uninspiring. And again, like. I don't know who would I want as bullpen coach. I think you said it pretty well. It's just, you know, somebody that almost 
isn't allowed to to leave their organization. I don't know how you can you can quantify that or figure that out, but somebody that's on the up and up that uh, I don't know. I, I didn't like hearing that response uh, from from John Frisch. So is wearing this mask distracting you? I love I love that you brought uh, you, props. You know, here can you name uh, the, the the character that I am currently. You are, uh, you're something, uh, you're, you're, you're a Star Wars character, are you, you not? Yes, you're, 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 okay. in the, you're in the right All genre. Right. Yeah, uh, I'm Jim Darren. I'm the Mandalorian. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, uh, you, you, you hate the fact that I, pro- I don't think I've seen all Star Wars movies. Oh, I don't hate the fact through. that you, yeah. can, you can like whatever you'd like. I know you like. mash your teeth and I know privately you're, you're extremely disappointed that I can't quote, uh, star wars with you and i can't dissect uh different you know it's okay nick okay no, i'm past uh, it i have no okay, you're, I'm glad you've worked okay. through it i've got workshop it. through it all right yeah um so uh, you know we'll we'll see that that's just hey that's the thing that happened uh we still are waiting on a few other coaches and you know uh there's obviously going to be a lot of decisions that are going to be made once you know the world series wraps up and, and the off season really kicks into gear um so, you know, we're here uh, recording the day before Halloween. Um, we're wrapping up kind of kind of spooky season here as everybody mm-hmm. kind of will just flip the switch right away to, you know, the holidays, uh, whatever holiday you just you're going right into it. You're going to leapfrog Thanksgiving. You're going to whatever is celebrated in December. Uh, so we wanted to look just some scary stuff and everything about 2023 was scary just about everything there, there were of course some bright spots Luis robert jr you know a few other things but a lot of scary stuff uh, from this past season so i took a look at some pitching stuff pat you were looking at some offense um do you want to do you want to jump in and start going or do you want me to you want me to throw you kind of the pitching you know the scary stuff from the pitching realm I'll I'll start. I'll start on, Go the, ahead. on the offensive side of the ball, and I and you did give me a special assignment to look I did. specifically at Gavin Sheets. So I'll I'll save that. Who scares the the hell out of me? Just I'll, you know, I'll yeah. save that for the end. But I I gathered not nah, a couple bullet points. I thought just sure. were interesting. These are all from Fangraphs, and I just grabbed AL rankings. I didn't do all of Major League Baseball. I just thought. Let's narrow it down to see where the White Sox are at, at least just in the American League. Okay. Um, and, and, because, you know, if if we're going to do anything, it's going to be in that league. I, I I just thought looking at it, a large picture maybe was too much, but I thought this tells a great story. So AL rankings, uh, let's go to the low-hanging fruit first, Nick. You've got a team that was built on hitting home runs that yep. didn't hit home runs. In the mm-hmm. American League, they were ranked 11th. I was actually surprised it was that high uh, with 171 home runs. Uh, behind them, uh, but the, these are the teams that they're behind them, and so this some of them you'll go, oh, that makes me feel pretty good because we're succeeding in this division uh, of awful teams, so it must make somebody feel proud because, well, look at these other teams that we just smashed here that are in our division. So behind them was Oakland with 170, well, tied with them was Oakland with 171, Detroit 165, Kansas City uh, 163, and Cleveland with 124. Those teams wow. uh, ring a bell. With yeah. you, so that just tells you how horrible, right there, because of, of a uh, a sport now that's so based, it's become so based on on hitting the ball out of the ballpark. In fact, I texted you the other day, and it was I can't remember exactly the the 
uh, quote from the game, the World Series game, and it talked about teams that are in the top, probably top third in terms of hitting home runs, and those are the teams that are typically been in the World Series over the past, I think it was 20 years, and there was one exception. It was the 2015 Kansas City Royals. Uh, and I said, isn't that just who we're going to be? We're going to be a team yeah. that doesn't hit home runs. And the only thing I could glean out of that was maybe we'll eventually have an identity because that team at least had an identity with, the, with their pitching and their bullpen and, and the way they defended the ball. But anyway, I digress. Home runs was my number one yeah. scary stat because of the fact this team was built in that ballpark the, too. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It was yeah. built upon hitting the ball of the ballpark, a ballpark that's very home run uh, happy and uh, they couldn't do it. You know, that, that's been the problem, I think, for a couple of years. And, and, and just a guy, I, I mean, we, we discussed when the season wrapped, Aloy Jimenez. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he, he definitely increased his games played. There were still some injury hiccups. What happened? Mm-hmm. Where, where's your power at? You know, um, and, and there, there were so many other guys. Uh, it, that is scary. That, that trend, which, you know, okay, they're looking for new hitting coaches. Like, we'll see. That was supposed to have changed with Castro coming in and all the things he was doing and, and involved in with Atlanta and, and Johnson and, and what he was doing in Charlotte. I, I, it, it's just – it really it, – it's beyond scary. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a nightmare, you know. And so can you, can you fix it overnight? Well, I don't know if that's the type of team that they want to be, to your point. I don't know if that's the team they are anymore. Yeah, I I think you you have to look yourself in the mirror and say, well, we wanted that, but that's not where this is going. So how do we we make the most out of what we can do? Okay, like this is what we're doing. These are the trends. This is how things are going. We wanted it to go some other way, but we're seeing this type of output from these players. Well, let's try to maximize that. This is what you're doing. I'm not going to try to change you. Let's just do what you're doing really well. Yeah. I don't know. Um, or you want me to go pitching? Yeah. Hit me with some pitching. Um, pitching in, in general. You know I'm a pitching guy. And, mm-hmm. and that's what I want them to focus in the offseason. And talk about regression in 2023. And, and I didn't get into a lot. I didn't do, I didn't do a Chris gets deep dive into tunneling and miss barrels and, and stuff after the seventh inning and all this stuff. Um, but Sachs pitching 13th in the AL and team ERA 13th uh, ahead of KC and uh, Oakland 26th in all in of baseball. Okay. Now in 2022, they were third in the AL and 16th in all of baseball. Uh, in terms of starters, uh, they were middle of the pack, uh, third in 2022. Uh, so again, the regression. Strikeouts, now here was the bright spot mm-hmm. for Sacks pitching. Top three uh, Sacks pitching and strikeouts. Uh, bullpen had an ERA that was 11th out of 15 in the AL, uh, 5th in 2022. So again, uh, this is why Matt Wise is coming in. He's going to fix yeah, all this savior, stuff Matt up. Wise. Um, uh, Sacks pitching issued the second most walks in all of baseball uh, in 2023, which is up seven slots from the previous year. Uh, and Sacks pitching gave up the most home runs in all of the American League with 214. So we're not hitting home runs, but we're giving up home runs 
uh, plenty. And Lance Lynn had a lot to do with that. Yeah, at least somebody's having fun hitting home runs in the ballpark. That's fantastic. The interesting thing about that with the the walks and the strikeouts you had mentioned, you know, what would you say, third in the league in strikeouts this yeah. year? Yeah, yeah. Which is, which is great, but you've got to throw a lot of pitches to strike people out, and you're throwing a lot of pitches when you're walking people. So um, probably, you know, stressed – a lot of people more than they needed to be stressed. Well, we, we had the, we had the walks leader on, on our staff, which I can get to in a little bit after you throw us some offensive stuff. So that's to your point for sure. All right. Well, uh, my second one is run scored. It's very simple, Nick. You need to score uh, more runs than the other team to win. That's the most important stat, right? Uh, They finished, uh, you know, second to last in terms of run score in the American League at number 14. 641 runs uh, that scored this past year, good for 3.9 runs per game. Now, if you compare that with the team that's playing uh, and representing the American League in the World Series, uh, you know, Texas was number one. Uh, 5.4 runs per game. And you'd think, wow, that doesn't seem like that big of a difference, 3.9 versus 5.4. But here's where it gets interesting, Nick, and this pulls in a little bit more in terms of where you're at in the the pitching. But we talk a lot about run differential. Mm -hmm. So run differential for the White Sox was minus 200 this past year, Nick. Minus 200. And the Texas Rangers were plus 165. Yeah, that's there a, you go. That's a yeah. 365 point difference or 365 run difference between, you know, the World Series and and being 101 losses. So sure. it, yeah. you can boil, we can look at and, and, and uh, slice and dice a lot of numbers in a lot of different ways. But it quite simply comes down to if you could have scored about four and a half runs per game, you probably would have won this division. Yeah. And that, and that, and that, and, there, and that maybe comes with your home run conversation mm-hmm. or just playing a better version of what you want to be, you yeah. know? Um, so uh, that, that's spooky. That, that is really that one that run differential that, that can give you some nightmares. And, and how do you, what do you want to, what, what, what do you need to do in the off season to, to figure that out? Um, there's a lot, there's a lot that goes into that you know, to, to making that number less, uh, less of a nightmare. So I, I focused, I, I had two more pitching stuff and they, and they were players and, and Cease and Kopech were the two guys that I really focused on that really, they frustrated me. I know they were frustrated with themselves this past season. And, and it's really scary stuff mm-hmm. when you look from Cease from 2022, which he was on top of the world. Of course, it's going to be difficult to stay there, but the regression this year, and of course, Kopech, uh, Cease. Now, now he started 33 games in 2023 compared to 32 in 2022. So he takes the ball. He has always taken the ball. He stayed healthy, and uh, you know he had fewer innings, worse ERA, of course, in 2023 by a lot. Gave up far more hits uh, and one more walk than he did in 2022 led all uh, of major leagues in wild pitches and mm. with 14. Uh, he was only at seven in 2022. Uh, and, and that I can only think of, you know, his slider was not working the way he wanted it to in 2023. And is that a force? Is he trying to get far more spin? Is he trying to get that more effective where he's spiking it into the ground? It's just not doing what he wants it to do. Uh, you know, and, and you see that 
uh, in the results of 14 wild pitches. Uh, you know, he surpassed 200 strikeouts once again in 2023, uh, but that number far less than in 2022. And again, that was his banner year right now. Uh, so obviously he did not have anywhere close to the follow-up that we wanted. Um, he, you know, he just looked like he just had no command over some of his stuff. Again, yeah, the strikeouts were there, but could not go deep into games. Uh, the, the walks were up. I I mean, he probably could have led the league in walks if it wasn't for Kopech, well, which I can get to, you know, maybe after you throw me another offensive uh, situation. But a guy that I, I think, you know, we've discussed that he's he's got enough arsenal to make a bounce back. But like the greats, they, they string together multiple years, you know. Yeah. They know the bullseyes on their back. And they deliver year after year after year after year. Sure, there might be some drop-off here and there. They're not winning the Cy Young every single year, uh, but they're up there. You know, they're, they're that feared pitcher. And I, I wonder if coming into this past season, you know, teams were like, look, Cease is their ace. We're going we're gonna to get this guy. You know, we were going to definitely study this guy. He's not going to fool us, you know, on how he approaches – Maybe hitters were a little bit more aggressive right off the gate. They didn't want to get down an account on Cease where they're going to have to deal with some of his nasty wipeout stuff. They jumped all over him. Maybe there was a tell, you know, in terms of, you know, he's going to get you a get over something early in the count. Go ahead and take advantage of that. You know, if that's something to your liking, do it earlier in at bat than later. Uh, but the numbers and everything else, uh, scary stuff from Cease. Yeah, definitely disappointing, and we've talked about it uh, several times about how the the season just continued to roll downhill for him uh, right after game one. It never seemed to he never seemed to regain what he had in the first game of the season, where he went up against the Houston Astros with the ten strikeouts, and it just looked like he was the 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 same pitcher from the year before. And we I think we were have starting to have conversations about where there's no way we can afford this guy because he's right you sure. know with Boris as his agent and and you putting you know you know that one game and, and last year's resume together and you're thinking it's going to continue maybe not as good as it was the year before but you're looking at it like holy cow we we're gonna we're gonna lose this guy pretty quick. Um, so very interesting there. I, my, my next stat was, uh, was on base percentage. Mm. Uh, surprisingly, uh, we were dead last in the American league and this yeah. one, we were at 291. The league average, just the average in on base percentage, Nick was uh 320 and good. It would be oh. considered 360. And I had to look that wow. up because you know me, I'm not, wow. an, yeah. I'm not a big stats guy and, and talking about, we don't weigh heavily on numbers, but they're out there, you know, they're but, very accessible. But if you're talking, you know, just to be candid i mean it's a lot of it is, is very simple i just i mentioned runs and run differential in my last stat if you're not having people on base and you can't get people on base and you're the worst in the league at it nick it's going to be really hard to score runs right yeah. so yeah. And, and if you're not hitting the ball if you're not hitting four or five solo home runs in a game uh you're not going to score a lot of runs so the 
I guess the disappointment for me in this aspect comes back to uh, the manager we had mentioned, you know, earlier on in Pedro Gafal and oh, sure. talking about how disciplined this team would be and how we're going to really work to get on base and all that stuff that really got us excited about Pedro in the beginning of the season. And then what, it, what he was able to produce or what he was able to uh, lead his staff with was a dead last in the American League and on base percentage. Now I didn't spit. I didn't look up any of the walks. I know that we don't walk ever, so I, I would imagine yeah. without even looking at it, we were dead last. Yeah, in yeah. walks. Um, without even looking, I'm guessing that's where we'll be because you know, again, the on base percentage is what it is. So again, it's a, it's a broken offense. Um, it has it is a zero identity offense. And it's an it's an undisciplined offense. Yes, you know? that, so, that's a good way of saying it. Yeah. So yeah. it's just very disappointing. There's not much more I can say about that, but that's a really scary stat when you're dead last in the American League and, and on base percentage. You know, and and he gave Grafo gave statements early in the season about, you know, this isn't just a like a like a you know you switch that you flip. This is a, a learn uh, you know learn skill. We're we're changing the way and. And that was kind of the same mantra throughout the season. Every time he was he was asked about the chasing and the the lack of discipline, it's like we're addressing it. And and but that was stuff that he was supposed to be working on, Castro and others in the off season. That was the stuff that we were hearing was going on. So that that's to me goes back to the you've never done this before, man. And things got off the rails and you did not know how to get this back on the rails. You just didn't know because yeah. you don't know, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And, and sure, you know, he might have a little bit more experience of course to, to lean on and maybe he's asked some folks and weighed in and either there might be other, you know, there's some different coaches uh, and who knows, there might be some different types of players coming in that, that can, go about their business the way he wants it to be done. They're willing to listen. I don't know, but again, when when I when I read all of those statements, it just sounded like he's kicking the can, like he's just avoiding. He doesn't know. Yep. He doesn't know. And uh when it had, when it, when it went that way and it never got better, it was like, you know, this is a lost cause. Well, so. I've got good news for you. Uh Tony La Russa is available. Uh, if you need to, he's there as, as Jerry said, if you need to call him and ask him questions, he's available to, to answer any and all questions that you he might is, have he is and an help you manage. Um, so I, my last, uh, my last scary pitching stuff, it, it comes from Copac and I, I feel bad continuing to hammer away at this guy, but you know, we're coming up, uh, man, in a month and change a month and a week on the big, on the big rebuild anniversary, of course, uh, he alongside Mankata. I don't have to tell anybody this. We're sick of hearing this, but we we this is that was the critical moment. And and what and what have we done? You know, and look at where we're going. It, I, I still don't know what we have in Kopech. He seems more frustrated than anybody. I don't think the coaches know what they're doing with him. Uh, he started two more games than in 2022, so he, he increased that uh, this past season. But then was relegated to the bullpen down the stretch, and and Pedro saying, "Well, maybe, you know, he's got the stuff to be a reliever, but I really want to, you know, I want him to have the mindset to be a starter when we go to to Arizona. Like, what a game that is for a guy who can't even yeah. throw strikes. Now you're going to throw that into his mind uh, of trying to, you know, 
navigate his way through that word puzzle. Uh, had the had his had his personal worst ERA in 2023, which is, which is isn't shocking. Uh, led the American League in walks with 91. And if you watched a few of Kopech's starts, and you just try to like extrapolate that, you're like, yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, he just he could not find the plate sometimes. Uh, issued 57 walks the previous season in 2022 while pitching only 10 fewer innings. So if you're telling me it's an innings thing, it's really not. He just, he had no control in 2023 and he really had no answers. And, you know, again, we, we've seen glimpses and, and I think, you know, just not this past season, but he's one of those players I'd put on my Mount Rushmore of like, like scary. Like mm. I don't, what I thought we were going to get from Michael Kopech and what we have received and now looking at the, the murky future, you're on my Mount Rushmore of like, I don't want to say busts, but just, I guess, like scary. Like I'm scared yeah. for us as fans. I'm scared for you because it just, it, and I don't know. I really don't know if the, the bullpen is for him. You know, I know, I know he's got the stuff. He's got the arm. He could maybe be electric in short situations, but you need, we need guys coming in out of the bullpen, throwing strikes right away, you know, yeah. having nasty stuff, control of your out pitch is very important. We're, we're seeing it in the postseason. But if you're telling me you have no control and you're leading the AL and walks, I don't know if I want you out of my bullpen. Would that mindset yeah. change all of a sudden if you're coming out of the bullpen? Like all of a sudden you're going to be throwing strikes better? I, I don't know about that. Yeah, and and with all the things that you had mentioned with – uh, the pitching that was woeful this year. Why is Ethan Katz safe? Why why does he get yeah. to, why does he get the pass? Why is man? Why that is, is a, he... that is a great point. That that is an excellent point. The Katz lab and and everything that's going to change and the process and how he's doing things and why that's that yeah. that wasn't a Grafol hire, right? Well, and that's the thing about the, the the pitching coach on the south side, Nick. It seems to never be the manager's actual hire. It's always the pitching coach is put in place, and this is who the guy that you have to have, regardless of what you might want, right? It was that way with Don Cooper. Don Cooper was several managers, uh, you know, pitching coach. And it was because – and Coop did a great job for most of the time that he was here. But he he definitely wore out his welcome towards the end, I would say. Um, but I, I just can't imagine that, that critical of a role. Now, whether just remove the way we feel about Pedro Grafal for a second, the fact that you're not going to allow your manager to pick the pitching coach that he wants to have on his staff, you have to tell him who he's going to have. I wouldn't want that job. I wouldn't want to be a manager of a team if I was told who my pitching coach is going to be. Yeah, I, 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 you have to be in in sync. You have to be in lockstep. Yeah. But maybe you don't. I mean, we know that throughout history there have been you know, coordinators and head coaches and all this stuff that haven't been on the save page, but they've had success and somehow it worked. But when I'm looking at a 101 loss team and I'm looking at some, you know, some firings and there's make, they're making changes yet. The pitching coach stays when I just gave you all these numbers and there's so mm-hmm. many more to pour over of the regression, you know, and I know that we let pitchers go at the trade deadline. So it could be, you know, skewed, of course, some of these numbers. And you look at the arms that were coming out in September and you're like, well, who are these guys? Yeah. Of course, some of the numbers are going to be like that. But what we saw at the beginning, 
that's not what you wanted. You, you just yeah. knew something was going on here. And what's happening with these guys? And, and yeah, why is Katz safe? If I am Getz and I'm bringing in my guys now and Han and Williams are gone, well, then I'm saying, let, let me bring in a pitching coach that I trust, that I know yeah. we've got the same philosophy. Let me really do this my way. You yeah. know, if I'm going to stay, let me let me completely change everything. You know, and it seems like Getz is, you know, extremely supportive of Grafol. So I, I maybe Katz is like saying all the right things, and and they truly believe in his philosophy. I don't know. It's very interesting, Nick. And I've got uh, two last stats. Okay. That, and I apologize to, that I did more than than probably was required. I'll do these next you two above pretty and beyond. Quick. I love it. That's uh, uh, another one. Wonderful. Last in the American League was War. We were a 3.3. Now don't ask me to tell you what war really means. I'm not going to, I'm not going to break it down because I'm not that bright when it comes to these stats. But what I thought was interesting about it, the team right above us was the Oakland A's and they were two times better in this statistic. The Oakland A's were better than us by two yeah. times in wins above yeah. replacement. So yeah. uh, I thought that was interesting. You wanted me to look a little bit deeper into Gavin Sheets. Oh, sure. Gavin. We were very Gavin bullish Sheets. on. Uh, yeah. I mentioned uh, on base percentage before an average in the American League this year was, or actually in all of baseball, was 320. He was a 267, so well below the league average in OBP. Uh, his war was a minus 1.4. Uh, to put it in context, um, you know, Luis Robert Jr. was a five war. So you could just kind of think, okay. And I think Otani was a 6.6 sure, when yeah. I looked at that. Uh, you know, so that, uh, and his, uh, this was another stat. Again, don't ask me what it all means, but his batting plus base running was a combined, <laughs> a combined minus 16.4. So yeah. I don't really know what all that means. Well, well the minus at, in front of it, Pat, is never a good it's thing. It's a minus, uh, and it's yeah. a, a double-digit minus. Yeah. To put it in compare, <laughs> it's a double-digit minus. To compare it with somebody yeah. that's a good player, though, you look at Luis Robert Jr., who was a plus 22.2. So you can yeah. see the vast difference in how poor this man was. He's not a major league baseball you, player. Is Luis what I'm Robert saying. Jr. sometimes looked over to his left when he was in – right field and just like what are you doing on this team why there's no name you know i look i I talked to connor mcknight um i think around spring training he he was a guest on lockdown and you know we talked gavin sheets and and i think connor you know he he tried it was difficult for him to separate the gavin sheets is the player from the person because he's like you know i've gotten to know gavin sheets and he's such a nice guy Mm -hmm. you know he's, he's awesome and I've heard that from other people like Gavin Sheets is a really great guy and, and probably a great teammate and just awesome to be around. But, uh, you know, and, and this is not even almost to him. It's to the organization of what they tried to do and how they tried to force Gavin Sheets into that role of we're going to try to make you an outfielder. And, you know, we're going to make and, and Gavin Sheets said all the right things. You know, he said at the beginning of the season, I've worked hard in the offseason. I know I'm going to be a better defender or wherever they want me to play. But it was really your left handed bat. We need your power bat. We need a consistent power bat. It's difficult in, in, in small samples, you know, coming off the bench to, to flex that power. That's a tough role. But if he was consistently hitting like Berger was, we would find something for you regularly. Yeah. You would force your way into the lineup when you would when you would show up in those big moments. I didn't see anything from Gavin Sheets where I'm like, this guy absolutely. Ha- we need this guy on yeah. our team moving forward. Not at all. 
Yeah. And, and I, I agree with, Con- I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know Gavin Sheets like, like Hunter does obviously, but I have met him. He's a, he's a wonderfully nice young man, but he's a, he's a four a baseball player. He's, he's probably not a triple a player, but he's definitely not a major league player. There's not uh room on this, on this roster. If you're ready to win for a Gavin yes. Sheets, it doesn't you're ready to you, win. Yeah. Yeah. That doesn't provide you the thing you need, which is left-handed power. And he definitely is not going to provide you things that you need from in terms of a, an outfielder or speed or base running or things like that. So he's not, uh, he's not a contributor, which is unfortunate because he's a good dude. Yeah. I, I mean, to really, to sum up like this whole 2023 season, and I know we'll continue to, to talk about it and reflect on it, but in, in theme of just, you know, Halloween and the scary stuff that came out of 2023. <laughs> we really need Batman. We need a superhero. Yeah. Um, this one's for you, buddy. Yeah. Oh, well, you're, this is right up my alley. I, it's not like I would be confused on that. Um, no, nor anybody, I think on mankind would be confused, but, um, I, I would look at to the, to the SNL clip of, Chris Farley, when he was confused with the decaf or with the coffee, you know, that, that famous uh, clip and just, how do you feel, you know, knowing you were drinking, what was it like instant crystals or whatever it was? And yeah. Just, it's just angry. Yeah. You know? So if anybody asks me these days, like, Oh, you know what, what'd you think of that season? It's just angry. Yeah. That, that was, that, that's, that sums it up for 2023. Yeah. And, so. and that's, uh, a lot. What uh, Batman is is vengeance. He is the knight. It is vengeance. And, yeah. And and I feel like you and I uh, would like to take out our vengeance on on the crime uh, of the South Side and and uh, solve some mysteries. Maybe the mystery of what happened in left field. <laughs> now you kind of went into the Scooby Doo angle there. If we're just in a well, mystery machine, you know that, that Batman's yeah. you know he has no superpowers as you know, but he is the world's greatest detective. And and that is his power, uh, yes. his you know his intel and uh, of the like. Uh, and I think he he could be anybody. I think that's what the draw yes. to Batman is. You know, Batman could be anybody. He's a symbol. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I mean, you could ra- Pedro Grafol could rally and say we're going to take vengeance on the league and on the American League. And you know, I is he going to have the players to do it uh, again? I'm I'm really. I, I'm interested. I don't have high hopes. You know, I, I, I don't have high hopes at all for the offseason because I've seen it before. I know how this is going to go. However, these are new folks making decisions. Yeah. So there could be a, you know, and that's what I thought 2023 was going to be is like that 2022 is never going to happen again. We are, we are, it's a comeback for us. You know, we are, we're going to avenge. And we are going to, you know, we are going to get back to the top of the AL and, you know, reclaim our spot. Well, you didn't even do anything close to that. So, I mean, you could have that attitude. You got to have that chip on your shoulder, right? Yeah. Of, you know, we're better than what we played. We got a new, we've got a new attitude. We've mm-hmm. got a new look and we're coming after you. I, well, it's and not and like all the while, while the defending champs in the division regressed uh, uh, terribly. Right. right. It, so if it, all of the rest of if the rest of the American League Central take a mo- like a bunch of steps backwards, 
you know, that that could be. That then could we've be got something. something. Now we've, we've got, got now something. we're cooking. Now you've got something. So uh, to uh, kind of before we wrap up here, um, uh, we've got the Pedro quote of the week. I wasn't going to forget about that. Um, and uh, there, there's so many scary quotes from Pedro Grifol throughout the season. You can go off season. You can go during the season. Um, no shortage. Uh, this is one of my uh, favorite ones uh, from early in the year. This one got me kind of excited and it just went belly up. Uh, we can't win a championship in the spring, but we can lose one in the spring if we're not prepared. Uh, I truly believe that uh, is what Pedro Grifol said in that one was the one that got me hyped. I mean, there were a lot of them, but I, I got really hyped by that. And I said, you know what? This guy is not going to play the long game and say, well, it's a long season. We'll just take it in stride. Then we'll decide to you know, put our foot on the gas uh, in May or in June or something. I was like, no, they're going to be, they're going to be playing good baseball, solid baseball. They're going to care every single game. You yeah. know, they're, they're going to really, uh, they're going to be serious about this because these games matter just as much as they do in September. Yeah. And they, well, they clearly weren't prepared and he was right on his quote. <laughs> I yep. mean, he was right on with it. He, he was right on. And, and and the thing that what just came to my mind when I heard that Nick was uh, the Seinfeld episode when Jerry was renting the car and you know how to take a reservation. Sure. Oh, it's yeah. the holding. He knows what to say. Anybody can just take. He just doesn't know how to do his job. So yeah. he says all yeah. the right things, yeah, but he just can't do it. So there's a big difference there. Well, Pat, thanks for playing along with, with scary stuff from 2023. I, I hope we don't have to have this as something we, we do regularly. And, you know, it's, it's been a last off season was rough. You know, I, I want to have hope, but I'm also realistic, you know, and, and I'm kind of eager to get this world series out of the way. So we can kind of start seeing the identity, yeah. the direction where the Sacks team might go. So I agree with you, sir. It was fun. Um, and somehow um, we managed to do this show uh, over an hour and talk White Sox baseball. It still amazes me. And you have a lot of masks. You have I've one heck of a collection. You, you have like a trunk of masks um, that are just, uh, yeah. I mean, you... <laughs> that one I thought was, I thought you'd use that a little bit sooner. That's well, yeah. you always end on a high note, buddy. Yeah. Yeah, it is always a pleasure, buddy. Uh, we will try again uh, next week, uh, folks. You know, we you can find this podcast. Uh, the audio is absolutely everywhere. Uh, we try to do this on Sunday nights live on our YouTube channel. Subscribe, pass it along. Uh, we are, you know, we are crawling to 250, episode 250, and we're going to kick off season six uh, in early December when the winter meetings start up. So, We've been doing this for a long time. We'll do it all off season long. You can find us on Twitter X at good guys TV. We've got a Facebook fan page. Uh, thank you so much folks for uh, tuning in and for continuing to pass this along and your support for Pat Hester. I am Nick Morowski until next time. Go Sacks.